Hey fam, thanks for checking this little recording out. If you're listening to this, it means you must have attended a talk, workshop, or even a class of mine that I recorded, and you want to get the nitty gritty. That's great. Excellent. If you're just being snoopy and you're trying to figure things out, it's all good. My name's Dan White Hodge. I'm an educator, and you're about to learn something today. Thanks again for following up, and I truly hope this adds an enrichment to you and your work. As always, hit me up if you got them questions at whitehodge.com and check out my podcast while you're at it, Profane Faith. I'll talk with you later. Peace. And your time. Um, and thank you. This is, I always love what Anthony does with uh, these conferences. So um, I do thank you for uh, y'all, y'all's time. And I thank you for Anthony for, for having me on um, because it, uh, this is a great time. All right, let me uh, pull up my... As you can see, it's, it's cover, my recovery here is telling me. Uh, so this is uh, some work that I've done, been doing for easily the last about 15 years, 16 years. Uh, I grew up on the West Coast. I'm in Chicago now, but I grew up in the Bay Area. So I grew up um, listening to uh, different different underground hip-hop artists and rap artists. And so, you know, and going to underground uh, concerts, going to underground battle raps and whatnot. And so Tupac, of course, was in the mix of that. This was during the 80s and 90s, and this was a little bit before he was starting to blow up. Um, And many years later, I decided I really want to do a PhD around the theological significance of Tupac Amaro Shakur. Um, And so I was able to do that and spend time interviewing family members and friends and roommates, former roommates, uh, his former manager, and really trying to gather a complete picture of who Tupac was. Because I really do believe that Tupac had a powerful message in regards to the activism and the resistance that we are seeing or that we're experiencing right now. And so I really do believe that his message really is continued to resonate with people, particularly this young generation. And even though he's been dead, I, I do believe he's dead. Um, for uh, now over 20 years, um, you know, uh, it's it's his message continues to resonate with young people. And so I wanted to figure out what, why, why is that? Why is somebody that, you know, and especially in a culture like hip hop where, you know, being old school, being new school, right? All those things can take a toll on uh, it, it, in terms of who's fresh and who's relevant, but Tupac remains that way. So this is kind of, that's just some of the context uh, behind that. I think oftentimes people think of hip hop as this, particularly the commercialized version. I know nobody on this call is doing that, um, but I also know that this is essentially what comes out of Tupac, or, or excuse me, not Tupac, this is what comes out out of as commercialized hip hop. Oftentimes this is what's seen as the only component of hip hop. Um, and while that is a component, um, I think it's important to kind of look at aspects and broader aspects of the culture. Um, and even Kanye's crazy self, you know what I'm saying? But only 2003, 2005. I right? don't, don't get it twisted. I, right? you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Brother Kanye, I don't know where he's at now. Um, poor fella. But so this is when I look at hip hop uh, in my classes, when I teach this course, I'm teaching a course right now on hip hop. Um, we look at everything. We look at, you know, strip club, uh, 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 you know, party rap. We look at conscious rap. We look at what artists are doing right now. So we want to expand, right, the canon in our imagination, especially as we think about activism, Um, And I'm somebody who still holds on to my faith and my theological traditions, although I've tried as hard as I can to move away from that colonized theological mindset, meaning that I can't 
get over the hump of, say, for example, you know, some people say, well, these group of people are going to hell or these group of people I can't talk with because, that, you know, they're bad. That type of colonization runs rampant in a lot of different religions, but particularly for me, my background in Judeo-Christianity, I've been in a continual search of looking for the Afrocentric terms before white colonialized European uh, colonized the religion and turned it into this singularized, personalized faith, right? This understanding of a God that can only speak to people in personal uh, and rooms. Tupac himself was also after that, um, and he connected with these well. Hip-hop and black theology is connected very much. Black, The black prophetic traditions has been going on for a while. Again, we don't have time to get into this, but I at least wanted to talk about it and talk about how slave protest was real. And they did that through song and prose as well, just as, the, as well as they did that um, physically. There was resistance in songs when you think about Wade to the Water, right? When these Negro spirituals, this was for me a resistance through music, not just singing a song to feel good, but to lament through that. I think oftentimes we don't have, you know, create the space or curate the space enough to really lament what is going on, especially for black folk. We have been through hundreds of years of trauma. How do you lament that? How do you resist that through song and prose? Because everybody on the planet loves music. Everybody. There's not a human, human being on this planet doesn't like music in some form or, or, or rather. And. As Greg Titan always says, you know, the meaning uh, or the, you know, music is a universal language, but its meaning is not. And so this is part of what we're getting after. There were preachers who was preaching dissent, preaching to push back. There was critical, radical social observations, a critique of dominant culture. This is the search for a contextualized deity, this deity that's like, like the, the Tupac and the Outlaws said, smokes like we smoke, drinks like we drink. A God that, you know, <laughs> smokes marijuana is like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? That's got to be pure blasphemy. No, but the, in within that blasphemy, there is a sense and a strive for identity and a strive to connect with the transcendence uh, beyond what has been told that God should look like. So this is where we come into this aspect of notion of praise and protest. Uh, and this is essentially what Tupac's music and work was doing. Um, this also connects broadly to the um, academic term, what's called theomusicology. This is something that John Michael Spencer coined back in the 80s, has been used widely. But uh, this is something that involves looking at the music from the people's perspective, really deep diving and engaging from cultural from ethnic, from racial, right? From spiritual connections within that. Where does the music come from? Hip hop, of course, has its roots in all of this. Theomusicology is the methodology. This is from uh, one of the great uh, black theologians, Dr. Charles Long, and he says, religion is thus understood to be pervasive, uh, not only in religious institutions, but in all dimensions of cultural life. And so when we start to think about where religion fits in, even for those who say, I don't believe in a God, that's great. We're still right striving towards that. We're still trying to figure things out and holding things in tension. I think that's part of a good faith journey. And that's part of that protest and dissent is not having all the answers. Traces in the Spirit, this is by Robert, Dr. Robin Sylvan. He says, what happens, however, when the encounter with the numinous, right? That's just a college word to say, you know, that's that's out there, right? How do we make sense of some of these things, right? Some people are saying that it's, you know, the ancestors that, you know, their prayers finally got through and, you know, Trump finally got COVID. <laughs> All right, I'll leave that one alone. But what happens then when the numinous, the religious experience, can no longer find adequate expression in the traditional religious institutions provided by the culture? And in other words, what happens when the church runs out of answers? What happens when religious institutions say, well, let's just pray about it. Let's work towards a peaceful uh, compromise. 
And then you have a generation saying we've been doing that for years and we're still not seeing anything. And there's still Michael Browns out there. There's still um, uh, Trayvon Martins out there. What happens with that? And this is essentially what we're striving at. So when you start thinking about Tupac, it's easy to say, man, what the hell is going on with this? Like, what? Let me break some stuff down. I want to show this video. I did show this the last time. I did turn the volume up on this. But I wanted to show just a little clip of what Tupac was talking about here. Oops, sorry about that. Let me get back to that. That, that did not. Technology, I tell you. Technology. You know, we are a part of the black community. I'm a thug, and I rap about the oppressed fighting back. Yes, my raps are filled with rage. One of these days, we gotta bust back for the homies. You have to be logical. You know, if, if I know that in this hotel room, they have food every day, and I'm knocked on the door every day, to eat and they tell and they open the door let me see the, the party let me see like them throwing salami all over the, i mean just like throwing food around where they're telling me there's no food in here you know what i'm saying every day i'm standing outside trying to sing my way in you know what i'm saying we are hungry please let us in we are hungry please let us in after about a week that song is going to change the we hungry we need some food after two three weeks it's like you know give me a little food and we're out the door and after a year and you're just like you know what i'm saying i'm picking the lock coming through the door blasting you know what i'm saying it's like you hungry you reached your level you don't want anymore we asked 10 years ago we was asking with the panthers we was asking with them you know with the civil rights movement we was asking you know now, now those people that were asking they're all dead and in jail so now what do you think we're gonna do So as you can see, Pac was dealing with a lot of the same issues and same, you know, constructs that we're dealing with today. We're we're still looking at poverty, you know, we're still looking at the the margin of the wealth gap, you know, being stretched. Um, and so, you know, a lot of these things aren't necessarily new, which is, I think, what makes this work so frustrating at times, right? To look up and say, man, why is it that, you know, we took a stand on April 29th, 1992, but we're still dealing with some of the same things. And Rodney King wasn't even, you know, killed um, at that point. And, you know, when you talk to ancestors and the elders, you know, who talking about they were doing stuff in the 50s and the 60s, 40s. So Tupac is saying, what, what, what about that? We were asking back then. So this is just a little overview for those of you who don't necessarily know a lot about Tupac. Tupac was his real name. Um, he was born on June 16th, 1971. Uh, as he said, my his womb, uh, or he was in the womb cultivated in prison. His, his mom, Afini Shakur, uh, fought off the law. I mean, she was very much accused of blowing up a federal building, put into prison. She was pregnant at the time, uh, but she won her case and was got off. And uh, Tupac talks a lot about that and about being grown up in a protest and re resistance revolution era. Uh, his mantra was, if you do anything, do it for the community, do it for the people. Uh, and as I talked with more and more people about Tupac, they said, man, Tupac's home in the hills were it was like a homeless shelter. He would take in people. He would help people out. He would pay for people's things. I mean, he was truly living what he was what he was working out in his music as well. Um, his original name was Lasan Parrish Crooks. It was, but he did translate that back to, or he, excuse me, Afini moved that to back to Tupac Amaro Shakur, which translates as Shining Serpent, Thankful to God. And for those of you who say, oh, the serpent, it, it means different in Latinx con context. So just I'll say that now uh, for those of us, because in the West, we look at serpents as this evil thing, right? They're always bad. 
cultural colonization also happens and religious beliefs as well, especially when I'm thinking about how triangles and the pyramids and all that stuff connect. We'll get to that in the next talk. He did. I definitely believe he had prophetic visions. I think his life was broke down into five ethno life eras uh, from his birth to about 1980. Uh, there was his military mind of his. He grew up in a sense of, you know, you have to learn how to protect yourself. You're going to have to learn how to develop skills of survival growing up in this environment. With this move to um, the Bay Area during the early 80s, from 81 to 88, he started to see that the thugs on the street were actually the ones giving him hope, giving him space, teaching him how to do things, teaching him how to live. Um, he got connected, started rapping, started doing you know concerts from 89 to 92. He started putting together music videos and started putting together raps and albums and put together, looking at the ghetto and looking at how things could be changed. In fact, one of Tupac's uh, quotes was that, you know, the Vietnam era, because it was utilizing new media at the time, right, television, uh, because people saw how bad it was, you know, the war ended. So for him, he wanted to show videos about the things that were people were struggling with. And he said, man, maybe if people can see this, we can actually be Begin to get some change. This was during this era. Uh, from 92 on to about 95, this was his outlaw era. This was the time that he, you know, that most people focus in on Tupac's life. This is when he went to jail, when he was dealing with court cases. People said, oh, Tupac did this, he did that. Um, and of course, in uh, late 94, he went to prison uh, for sexual assault, which, uh, of course, he denied. And then, of course, the, the person who was accusing him later accused her own self and stuff. And so it was a very interesting time to see Tupac in this place because right about the time that he was getting ready to actually just dig in and just stay there, Suge Knight, of course, shows up and says, hey, I'll get you out. You just got to come work for me. And most of his family members said, man, that was a deal he was signing with the devil. We wish he would have just stayed in prison, gotten out in like 2001, 2002 and did his time. Um, I, I don't know. You know, we don't know that. The rest is history, right? In 1996, he dies. And I would say that's kind of his ghetto saint persona. And that's kind of his ethno life era. He has what's called an apiothis disposition. In other words, this is is looking at how theological images show up in ordinary people. Um, and I do believe Tupac presented that. I believe Tupac presented a way of looking at our current situation and trying to push forward by any means necessary. Right. And looking at how we can create our own and for our own people. Uh, he was a lot of folks didn't know that he was trying to create a hip hop political candidate, not a Republican, not a Democrat, but a hip hop political candidate. In 1995, he had about four hundred thousand dollars raised and he was pushing for the 2000 election. And that's what he was going for. Uh, and he was going to be one of the funders for that. He also had helped organize the streets and trying to pull some of the gang violence down. Came up with what was called the Thug Life Street Code um, and tried to organize. Like, if you're going to have a shootout, let's not have it in an open area. Let's not have any in the streets. Let's, not, let's actually designate some areas and put some, put some rules and laws to this. A lot of people, conspiracy theories might say, you know, this is one of the reasons why he was taken out because of the organization that he brought, particularly to black and brown uh, communities. He did die on September 13th, 1996. In this particular song, and I'm going to tie it up here real quick because uh, I know my time is nigh. Um, I love this. This is, again, just the lyrics from uh, Me Against the World. He talks about the question I wonder is after death, after my last breath, will I finally get to rest? You know, through this suppression, they punish us, the people that is akin to questions, right? He's talking about that, those people who ask the questions. Am I actually going to actually be be able to rest, right? Politicians and hypocrites, they don't want to listen. If I'm insane, it's the fame, made a brother change. It wasn't nothing like the game. It's just me against the world. And so songs like this begin to really push forward and resonate with people because people were saying, wait, I'm asking questions too, 
right? Does that also mean that I'm, you know, going to be taken out as well? Um, I love this song right here, right? He says, you know, tired of being stepped on, sick of being held back, looking through my rear view, thinking about the payback. Want to see my kids grow, uh, but don't know if I'm going to make it, though. One more nigga come up short in the ghetto. Society lied to me, so I'm strapped with the metal. Push your finger, push your middle finger up, or put, excuse me, push your middle finger up, nigga, if you rebel. Have your face down going in your pockets if you let them. That, that's a whole one right there. I've done lost too many homies for me to forget them. I've done made so many stakes, but I still don't regret them. I'm a product, here he goes, the pimp, the pusher, and the reverend. I'm a product of the book, the fiends, and the felons. We all lost souls trying to find our way to heaven. Y'all, I'm telling you, man, that type of stuff right there is connecting with the sacred, the secular and the profane, which is the ultimate struggle and the ultimate pushback of saying, no, 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 we can't just have some kind of revival within a four wall you know, building. We actually have to take this outside. And the questions that go on, particularly for a lot of young black men, I've worked with young black men for 25 years. And there's always that question, that that sense of depression. Am I going to make it to the next level? The pimp, the rep pusher, and the reverend ideology is the blaring of the sacred and the profane and the secular, the flawed saint. I do believe Tupac was like a mediator, a translation of theological narratives to the hood. He identified with the God who became what we are. And that's ultimately what we don't see enough of. You know, if you think about one of the stories of Jesus, Jesus talked a lot of shit, man. You know, but we don't see that. We don't see Jesus putting foots in people's asses, right? We just see the beautiful blonde white Jesus walking around saying, hey, man, you know, right on. Let me turn the other cheek. Jesus was a troublemaker in his day and age, right? He called the Pharisees and Sadducees dogs and vipers. Those words in that context are the equivalent of calling somebody's mama out. I'm, I'm black and Mexican. Is that the equivalent of saying, tu mama es una puta? That's you know, just the equivalence of you you're telling somebody that your mom is out there in the cuts on the street. And this is what G, these are words coming out of Jesus's mouth. But see, because of colonization, we have met, right. We've blurred over that. And we put on this, just this kind of white aura that Jesus was a punk. Hell no. This was the Jesus that they were trying to connect with. And that's, again, identifying with a God who became what we are. This was beyond church, making God more accessible to hip hop and the person, the urban person, the ghetto person, the pimp, the thug, the pusher, the ones that they say we have to, you know, get go back and save. It's like, I believe it's vice versa. We actually need to go to them and figure out what life is really about. This is a rejection of the utopian religious ideals, right? This understanding that if you just do this, everything will be okay. If you just come out and do these five things, you'll be all right. Tupac said, look, it don't work out that way. In that video I just showed you, right? He's like, he's telling you it doesn't work out that way. Um, this is what I love about uh, Dr. Ebony Utley. If you haven't read her book, Rap and Religion, highly recommend it. She talks and says this about Jesus. She says, Jesus fraternized with sexually licentious women, cavorted with sinners, worked on the Sabbath, had a temper, used profane language with religious people, praised faithfulness over stilted forms of religious piety, and honored God more than the government. Gangsters respect Jesus because they see the parallels between his life and theirs. That's powerful, yo. And these are messages today that we don't necessarily always hear because I'm tired of seeing white Jesus. I don't worship no goddamn white Jesus. <laughs> so I just tell you that right now. Um, and this is the Jesus for me that I'm after, the historical one, right? The one that was black, the one that did talk a lot of shit, the one that did stand up for women, right? These are the areas and these are the engagements that I think that we have to go into that we often just overlook. Let me show you this one last video and then I promise I'll wrap it up with, with questions. I want to ask you about something that 
someone else asked you in the interview, and I thought the answer was interesting because I think it speaks to you and your generation a lot. Someone said, where do you see Tupac 10 years from now? You said, hey, I just want to be alive. That's real for you. That's so real. I can't, I made a metamorphosis. I'm a new person today because I used to strongly and honestly, honestly, I feel like I could represent my generation so much because I honestly did not care whether I lived or died. But now I cannot die with people thinking I'm a rapist or a criminal. I can't leave until this is straight. You know, I'm not suicidal. I'm not, I can't go until y'all really know what time it is. And then after that, boom, it's all over. And we can see, you know, how this shit fall. But that's how it is. And the reason being is because if I can't live free, if I can't live with the same respect as the next man, I don't want to be here. Because God has cursed me to see what life should be like. If God wanted me to be this person and be happy here, he wouldn't let me feel so oppressed. He wouldn't let me feel so trampled on. You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't let me think the things I think. So. I feel like I'm doing God's work. You know what I'm saying? Just because I don't have nothing to pass around for people to put money in the bucket don't mean I ain't doing God's work. I feel like I'm doing God's work. You know what I'm saying? Because these ghetto kids ain't God's children, and I don't see no missionaries coming through there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm doing God's work. While Rev Reverend Jackson do his up in the middle class, and he go to the White House and have dinner and pray over the president, I'm up in the hood, you know what I'm saying, doing my work with my folks. And just because I don't live there don't mean I don't go there. I got to go there because I can't hang nowhere else. Woo-wee. All right. Uh, we don't have time for all this. Uh, let me just pull up my uh, consciousness, unconscious. I got, I'll give you my address here. We're going to go through so many tears, but again, my, you know, my time is nigh. This is my latest book uh, on Tupac, Baptized in Dirty Water. It's actually very affordable because I try to do shit for the community as well. It's like 15, 10, 15 bucks. Uh, you can reach out to me. This is my website. I do have a Profane Faith podcast. We're heading into our fifth year um, where we talk about subjects like this and many more uh, on there. And, uh, you know, because, hey, a brother's tenured and, and a full professor, so I can talk a lot of shit without, without people talking about, you know, hey, what about, hey, goddammit, I'm tenured and professor. <laughs> So anyways, let me pause there. Um, sorry if I took up too much time. Sorry for the technical issues. I'm glad this stuff finally worked out. Um, and again, I'm just I'm just happy to be here. But I do want to open it up for some questions. All right. Are there any questions? We want to acknowledge uh, Mario, who just put his contact. Um, he's teaching hip hop in New Mexico. He has to get off real quick, but wants to present next year um, before he heads out. But are there questions on the floor? For Daniel and this amazing presentation, the new book, um, Baptized in Dirty Water, assign it in your classes, everybody. Come on, come on. Amazing, amazing stuff. Questions, comments? I just want to say, Daniel, we really need to have you just do a presentation. <laughs> just, we need a conference just for you. You be dropping science. I'm telling you, you speak the real truth. You Thank know you. What I'm saying? And Thank then you. Is, I don't want to use the word unapologetic because we shouldn't have to apologize for being who we are. And we shouldn't have to apologize for, you know, bringing up the issue mm. that plague, you know, the black person. But we really need to just have a conference where you, you just dropping science because i mean this right here it, it's it's us you know this is us mm. this is our life and, and it it gets the message out and it it helps people to understand mm. I, i'm i'm Man, I'm like your number one fan here in Utah, Doc. Thank you. Thank you, right I'll take it. Thank you so Thank much. You. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I that means a lot. Thank you. I can't hear you, but Oh. And we am I, am I muted? No, nah, we can hear you. Okay. 
Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, I think you were Dr. muted. Uh, Wait. I just went off, so I can't hear anybody else. Oh, okay. Hey, Dr. Hodge. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really want to thank you for uh, how you have elucidated uh, Tupac. Hmm. Because I have, I'm, a, I'm kind of an, a senior scholar. And so I like to look backwards to how we made it. Yeah. And I can look back on Tupac. And I began to see some of these things, but I, I love the way you articulated it. And for old folks like us, <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you had a way to talk, to, I'm going to tell you, look, yeah. you so good, I had to give you a Budweiser. Yes! Yes! Go on, I'll take that. Right, right. Okay, so there's some learning going on here. Right? I heard that. And I really appreciate you. But for for the older folks like us, right? Mm-hmm. We got it. We're leaving, trying to leave something meaningful behind. Yes, yes. And uh, Tupac has been so scarred. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to know if there was some way, if you had like, Two minutes to tell me who's a, 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 a an enthusiast about Tupac, what would be the words that you would say that I should try to pass on? Because my daughter is a principal. Okay. Okay. My daughter is a junior high principal downstate in Illinois. Okay. All right. All right. And I'm 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 ready to point her north because my son-in-law is from Chicago. Okay. Bring them on up here. All right. So please, in a, just a word or two, man. This is like, boom, like uh, like Gina was saying. What would you say to this older generation, though, that I occupy, <sighs> that we should be conscious of in exploring this and looking backward? I love that, looking backward, I, I because you're so right. I mean, so much of history, it's like Cornell West says, right, We're we often live in the United States of amnesia. We forget, right? We forget yeah. about so much and because of the way media and everything and information is set up, it's so easy to forget even what happened five years ago, right? We'll just be, oh, what? I don't know. Who got elected five years? I don't know about that. You yeah, know, right. um, I would say, man, let's let's try and work together as best we can. We're stronger together. We're not going to agree on the things. And, I th- and I'll say this about the right and about, you know, uh, it, it, and what they do is because they can galvanize around hot button topics, right? Same-sex marriage, abortion, Second Amendment rights, right? I think we have to find some of these things where we can stand behind. Like, we're never going to have, like I tell this is when I have conversations with with some of my, like, hardcore activists. Like, look, Marx and Engels are never going to be, right, the secretary of, you know, (laughs) of finance. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, that's that's just not going to happen. I mean... But where can we come in in the middle? Because we are stronger together, especially in the black and Latinx community, right? And I, and I represent both. My mom was in the Black Panthers. She was one of the first Latina women to be injured into the Black Panthers in the Berkeley mm. chapter back in like 69. Right. So I understand that there has to be a cultivated directive move, right, to, to do that. I think it's just it's never going to be you know this utopian thing and i think we can we can agree to disagree but the stakes right, right now are really high really high. i don't even really believe that 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 this 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 45 has what he says he has i personally i think he's going to emerge and be like see it was nothing i'm fine i'm i'm okay i'm rising from the ashes <laughs> that's just the conspiracy side of me i ain't going to go qanon on nobody but i'm just simply saying um i think we can work together if i could push that and i could just see that 
Let's do it. And if we got to argue, let's argue behind closed doors and let's and let's work it out as as humane as possible. Because honestly, at the same time, we are in this boat together. At the end of the day, if you get pulled over, I get pulled over. We're going to be treated the same way. I can guarantee you that. You know, that's right. The white officer ain't going to be looking at us like, well, you're a little younger and you've got less gray. I'm going to treat you with a little bit. No. Oh, hell no. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, and that's part of what I've tried to do as well and try to bridge some of those gaps. I'm an Xer, a Gen Xer, you know, I'm about to turn 50 here. So um, I get it. I can look back a long ways now and be like, damn, that was 1995. What? Oh, man. Really? Oh, geez. That was, you know, I remember when Jackson ran for president, right? It's just like I remember putting posters up as a kid walking around, you know, Um so I think it's important to also, because I need to learn from from people like yourself and people who have been down the road, because it's so easy to forget. It's one of the greatest things I can say that I did with my grandmother, who passed away, unfortunately, at 92, back in 2009, was to record this narrative of the family history. Because it ain't written anywhere, right? No, right. We forget. <laughs> right. So I would say that. That's, sorry, I can just, that, that's a great question. No, thank you. And uh, I'm going to share that with, uh, I have... Uh, two nephews whom I love dearly that uh, were on death row. Mm. They just recently left death row, but Tupac and helped them to find that anger, right? They, they found that anger against their oppression. Unfortunately, uh, they let that anger take them uh, too far. Yeah. And this is the kind of message that help, helps them reconcile that. So I thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Dr. Hodges, um, for joining us again. Always, always a pleasure. Um, appreciate um, just your light, your knowledge, everything. Okay, so we got.